thank you for tuning in to Saturday Conversations. My name is Edward Akiyemi, and I'm so grateful you have decided to listen to Saturday Conversations. Every Saturday, I have conversations with different believers of Jesus. We discuss about their faith walk and the wisdom they have gained through this journey called life. Happy Saturday. Today, I'm excited to welcome you to episode 49 of Saturday Conversations. Today's episode, I pray we filled with wisdom and insights in Jesus' mighty name. Today, I had to bring on a guest I've known for a couple of weeks, and I love how God is using him to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without further ado, please help me welcome to the conversation, Joshua Zatkoff. Joshua, what's up, my man? How you doing? God bless you. God bless you too. How you how you doing? How's everything going? I'm doing well. You know, I'm uh, out here. It's a little windy out here today, but things are well. You know, yeah. glory to God. That, that's good to hear. But before we get into the conversation, um, can you introduce yourself to people who don't know you? Yeah. Um. My name is Joshua. Uh, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I'm from Virginia. You know, I was born in Maryland, but uh, I grew up in Virginia. So uh, I live in Northern Virginia. I have a wife, I have a, you know, two daughters, uh, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I've been walking with Jesus now for, you know, about four and a half years, just, uh, you know, shook up my whole life, changed a lot of things. And, and, you know, I'm on this journey, just, just, you know, trying to keep my balance, you know, so. That's awesome. I'm so glad and excited to have this conversation with you. So let's just get into the topic. Let's not keep the people waiting. Y'all see the title. Yeah. Y'all know what we're talking about. We're talking about freedom through Jesus. What I realized, Joshua, is that so many people are walking bound as we speak, and they have they have bought the lie of the enemy that they will always be bound. But we have great news for you. We have great news for people watching. We have great news for people listening. That the the great news is that Jesus have come have come to set you free. And when Jesus sets you free, He sets you free completely. He does not um, set you free partially. He's not, he's not interested in just keeping you have that residue um, bondage. He wants to keep you free, and he wants to free you indeed. So whatever it is, if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's porn, whatever has you bound, I'm here to tell you right now that Jesus can set you free. John okay. chapter 8, verse 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So our goal through this conversation is to show you that Jesus still frees, he still delivers, and he still heals today. So Joshua, my first question to you is, how was your upbringing? So, you know, my upbringing was good. You know, I wasn't rich. I wasn't poor. You know, I was, I was comfortable. You know, we were good. Uh, I had both of my parents were in the picture. Uh, I have a little sister about, you know, two and a half years younger than me. And so, you know, my growing up was was uh, was pretty good. I played a lot of sports, you know, what I mean, like that was that was pretty much what my childhood was filled with was playing sports. Uh, you know, I did have mental illness was pretty young on. Like I remember even being like eight uh, having, you know, like self-harm, like scratching myself and like these rage attacks. Um, so, I mean, I, I started having that pretty early on. But as far as just my growing up. I grew up, you know, like a, it was a pretty solid upbringing, you know, so. Awesome. That's good to hear. So what sports did you play? Uh, I was playing soccer, basketball, football were like my main ones. Um, but soccer was pr was pretty much my like that was my my love. You know what I mean? Uh, growing up, I, I was on a team that was nationally ranked. Uh, we had won a uh, uh, there was like a world championship. They called it in, in Florida and Disney World, a Disney Cup. Uh, we had won that two times. 
Uh, and then we came second place the third time we went there. So we were playing teams from South America all over and then the entire United States. And so I went to Virginia Tech for a camp when I was probably, I don't know, 15, 14. And I, they were kind of looking at me. Uh, and, I, you know, I mean, I was I was one of the better players on my team. And we were, I think, 13th in the nation at the time. Uh, so that was kind of like, you know, at that age, 14, 15, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I, I knew I could make it to at least like the MLS level. You know what I mean? So that was kind of what I was thinking. So that was the main one. So what kept you from going all the way to LMS? Um, you know, what happened is when I got to like high school, I was on the team. And once it kind of got, it was two things. Once it started transitioning to like, this is serious. And the fun kind of started getting sucked out of it and started feeling more like a job. I kind of lost my interest a little bit as much as I loved it. It was just like, man, I'm just out here having fun. And you're, you know, the coach is mad because I'm stopping the ball one way, not the other, but you know what I mean? Just little, little things that didn't, to me didn't matter. Cause I was, you know, still playing well, but um, uh, that was one thing. But then also, you know, when you're a kid, uh, I started thinking it was, it was cooler to hang out with girls and, you know, smoke weed and go to parties. And that was kind of what happened. So I didn't take it serious and I wasted my talent. You know, that was a natural gift God gave me and I definitely didn't steward it. You know, I just kind of, let it let it go so uh, so do you do you uh coach now since you, you already had the experience you you have the knowledge do you or do you think you're going to coach in the future or no no i have well i have you know my daughter's about to be 11 and she's showing a little interest in playing now choosing to play this year but she kind of decided too late in the season um so she's showing a little interest. So if she, you know, steps up and wants to do it, you know, I, I definitely could show her some things, you know, we'll see. But as far as like an organized coach or something, uh, I'm not against it. You know, that's a good thing that you bring that up, though. You know, I've never really thought about it. If it came up, I'd probably, I'd probably do it. You know, it was my daughter's team or something, maybe. But let me just tell you right now, don't be too hard on your daughter, because I know you. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Show her, show her some grace for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is so good. Is there anything else you want to add to your no, upbringing before we get to the next question? Um, no, I think I think that's about it. You know. All right. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. So the, of course. The, the way I found you was through YouTube. You shared your testimony. So that's um, the next question. Can you describe um, your battle against addiction and like your whole um, journey through that? Yeah, um, you know, so my battle of addiction started pretty young. Uh, around 12 years old is when I think I started realizing I had depression, even though I didn't really understand what it was. Um, I, I knew something changed, you know what I mean? I started feeling like despondent around people. Uh, I started just feeling sadness and not really understanding what was going on. And around the same time, I had a friend who had uh, cousins that were older. And so he had like on Christmas break, smoked weed and, and told me about it. And I don't know, like my curiosity kind of triggered and was I was like, man, that sounds cool. I want to try it. So uh, he got me some and uh, I smoked. And I remember it felt like everything clicked. It was like everything fit together. I felt like I was the best version of myself. Life just completely flipped over on me where I was like, this is it. Like, this is the answer. And so basically what happened was just that kicked off a whole, you know, a long journey. And so by the time I was 14, it was a pretty much daily thing. And then I, and I was a freshman at that time, I had started uh, doing other things, experimenting with other things. And um, 
basically what happened is because my mom, uh, she grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and so she had a big family, you know, Puerto Rican family, big family, like all her sisters uh, fell into addiction and mental illness, you know what I mean? And uh, one of my cousins died from an overdose, you know, just a lot, uh, one one of my aunts had, had, you know, killed herself. Like there was a lot of messed up stuff in her bloodline. Um, and then my dad had alcoholics as brothers, you know what I mean? And his father was an alcoholic. So that was like in my family deep. And so my mom, I think, and my dad, they started panicking, like, we got to stop this as soon as they found out. And so basically what happened was they put me in like all these rehabs and, and uh, IOPs and stuff like that. But it really ended up feeding it because I wasn't ready. I'm still think, seeing only the good side of this stuff. And so what happened was uh, I started being around older people that were doing worse things and started doing more things. And and uh, and then really what, what turned everything was, you know, at this point, it wasn't innocent, but in my mind, it seemed like everything had been innocent. You know what I mean? So uh, I got in my first legal trouble at 16. And so I couldn't really get away with smoking weed anymore. And next thing I knew, like one of my friends had, you know, he had a uh, um, pill, like a painkiller. And I did it. And it was the same thing as the weed. It was just like this light bulb went off like, yo, this is this is it. And I mean, I was off to the races within six months. I was shooting up heroin and this is at 16 years old, you know. And so that's what that's really what started everything. And that's kind of how it began. So how did it continue? Because you say you were 16. So did it go deeper than heroin? Like, were you like, tell what are some of the things that say, like, if you want to get the drug, did you do some illegal things to get the drugs? Or let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so basically. Um, did I lose you at all? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was putting my phone on. Do not disturb my bad. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I got a lot worse, man. I mean, so 16, like I said, it's was all innocent really. Like I hadn't seen real repercussions. Yeah. I had a charge. I'd gone to juvie. Um, you know, I've been to rehab, like there was a lot of things happening, but in my mind, there was nothing because I'm still thinking this is all good, you know. And um, so basically what happened is I remember the first time I had gotten sick, I went through, had, you know, a withdrawal. And that's when I was like, man, this is serious. And I knew I, I knew I was a slave. Like at that point, I knew it was a wrap. I knew I was in this thing. Um, but, you know, you don't care because it feels so amazing when you're doing it. And while it's there and everything's good and, you know. And so basically it just it kept getting deeper and deeper. You know, you need more. You uh, end up getting into robbing people. You end up getting around a lot of shady people getting robbed. You know what I mean? There's, I've got jumped multiple times, uh, you know, rob people. You, you know what I mean? You just, you, you end up surrounding yourself with some of the cruddiest people that you could imagine. You know what I mean? You can't trust anybody. Um, you know, and I, and it started getting real, uh, just my mental state. Cause I'm already at this point diagnosed with bipolar, um, ADD and stuff. So my mental state was just rapidly like going down the drain to where like, if I didn't have this stuff, I couldn't function. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't hold a job. So I had to have it. Um, and basically it just, it was just a wild lifestyle. Like there was no type of stability and I loved it. I was addicted to the chaos. You know what I mean? I was addicted to, you know, going into like inner cities and not knowing what could, you know, pop off at any, like, I liked all that. I liked the chaos of it. And, um, it just got terrible. You know what I mean? I had 
over 50 friends overdosing, you know what I mean? By over 50 friends within that lifestyle that had died, maybe 30 of them, 40 of them overdoses, you know, people getting murdered, killing themselves, car accidents. And so you're just seeing this stuff, but you can't escape it. Um, you know, obviously then you get into selling drugs that led to me getting a, a distribution, a felony charge out of do, you know, got a 10 year sentence out of serve 18 months off that. So then, so, you know, then it gets into legal trouble. Um, yeah, it just, it just gets deeper and darker. And really towards the end of it, I started really losing my mind, like my sanity, you know what I mean? Towards the end of it, I was really, I was having some real, you know, just psychosis type things, just, just, yeah, it just completely deteriorated everything about me, you know, in my life. It, I, it ruined my whole whole life by the end of it. That was a, you know, nine year stretch of, of at least of a heroin, heroin alone. So. Wow. You said nine years. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was not. Go ahead. No. Yeah. So it was nine. It was, it was from like 12 was when it all started until about 25. Um, but from 16 to 25 was, was, when I started using needles and, and, you know, like, I don't, the reason I don't say stuff like this to, to boast, there's nothing to boast about in this obviously. Right. But for people watching that are in addiction, like I, I, I want people to understand, like, I wasn't someone that just, you know, sniff some Coke at the parties. Like I was like, if it was water soluble, I was putting it in a needle and putting it in my veins. Like we're like, every, I mean, everything you could think of, I was mixing four or five drugs. At a time. And so like, I was the type of person that like, by the end of it, other drug addicts didn't want to be around me. Like, yo, you're too wild. Like you're, you're going to die. You know what I mean? And so I say that, say like, this wasn't a, like, I was very, very, I was chained. It was like, there was no hope in that situation for me, you know? So can you, if you look back, can you pinpoint what was the root of it that led to this or you, you don't know? Um, well, of course I think identity, you know what I mean? I think identity is probably one of the biggest tricks of the enemy ever. Uh, but I think the root of it was, I think it was a chain reaction of coming to the conclusion of like, your, you, you know, low self-esteem, like you messed up your life and then that feeds more addiction and it just keeps going. And then you find more reasons to believe you're not doing well and feel bad about yourself and you just keep chasing the ball. And, um, you know, so I think at the root of it was definitely, the, you know, I definitely regretted uh, messing up soccer. That was one thing that really I look back on, like, man, you really... That was you threw that out the window and, um, you know, just I'm sure there was other things in there uh, as far as just like my mental health. But I think overall it was just before I knew it, I was in too deep. You know what I mean? And that was the only way I knew how to cope with life. So you you said you like you wake up, you have to take a hit, you probably take a hit before you go to sleep. And how. How was it that you just you lived that life? Did people try to you said your parents try to help you out? Would the other people try to help you out, or was it just your parents and like your family trying to help you? You know that yeah. They, so my parents were trying to help me, and they would put me in programs and stuff. And then, but then you know, once once when I was seventeen, my parents divorced. Uh, at that point, my mom had kind of you know she still loved me. Like it wasn't like you know I, she still loved me, but she kind of had stepped back a little more. And I was living with my dad and he didn't know what to do at this point. I'm an adult. You know what I mean? Like he didn't know what to do. Um, and so he wasn't really, he would like, he was started dating girls once they divorced it. And he was like in the dating scene. So he was like out the house and in different, you know, cities and stuff kind of thing. And, and so I, it was just kind of me at that point, once I turned 18, 17, 18, I didn't really have anybody like 
guided me. I had, a, I had a couple close friends that I grew up with that were like still trying to be in my life that would be like, yo, you got to calm down, Josh. Like, you can't keep doing this, you know, but, um, but not, I mean, not really. I think my parents were always there if I need, like, yo, if you, if you need help, you want help, we're here. But I don't think anyone knew how to help me. And I didn't really want help until it was way too late. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want help until I was, you know, in my twenties really. All right. So did the addiction, um, did it fracture friendships you had? Like, would you use friends or like family members? Did that happen? Or yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, the addiction, you know, it, it ruined friendships, like the healthy friends. I always like to think of myself as well-rounded, like growing up in high school and stuff, like I was cool with everyone. You know what I mean? Like I was the type of person that that was friends with the, you know, the jocks. I was friends with the, you know, the the nerdier people. I, you know what I mean? Whatever, like all the little cliques, I was cool with all of them. And so growing up, I had even in my addiction, I had friends that were, you know, on good paths in life. You know what I mean? That would kind of come mess with me here and there. And uh, obviously, after a certain point, they didn't really want to be around me. I had nothing to bring the table. You know what I mean? I had nothing positive going on in my life. so you know, a lot of those friends kind of kept their distance. If anything, we'd meet up, you know, he, like once every few months, just grab something to eat together or something. But um, uh, I think really what happened was I didn't really have, it wasn't really for me, like I was a grimy friend. Like I never really got to the point where I was like robbing my friends and stuff like that. Like, I didn't do stuff like that. But um, what happened was all the people I was surrounded by weren't trustworthy, weren't, you know what I mean? So all my friendships were extremely like, you know, futile. Like they were just, fragile little they weren't real there was no depths to them there was all based on who had the car who had the money who had the drugs you know what i mean and so anytime any real life thing would happen it's like you know that that house and car just falling so um by the end of it though i had i had one solid friend um when everything kind of came tumbling down i pretty much had one friend in my corner that by the very end of it me and him were kind of beefing you know what i mean and weren't really close so, yeah, I lost all my friends in this process, you know. It's crazy how, like, a counterfeit can do that to you. Like you said, it, it felt good in the moment. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, you go back to the garden, like the fruit tasted good for the moment, but now they, re they wrecked the whole world for years to come, you know what I mean? So it's crazy how, yeah. like, the, the enemy, the devil will try to pre present itself as an angel light and, like, you know, you need this. And I love how you, you touched about identity. Sometimes we chase things to fulfill identity when we should chase the one who gives us our identity, you know? Yeah, 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 100%. So um, yeah. what I've heard of people who, who struggle with addiction, like um, suicidal thoughts will come into their heads. Did that ever happen to you or, or no? Yeah, uh, you know, I had suicidal thoughts real young, like, uh, like after my first, like, uh, girlfriend, I think, you know what I mean? Like my first, like I think probably what was, 15 16 like when I was 16 I had dated a girl and um we went through our little breakup or whatever and um I started like I was done like I wanted to kill myself then you know what I mean and I and I started like cutting myself there was one night I had I, I was like I'm gonna kill myself and I took a razor blade and just like sliced my wrist as hard as I could and like I didn't I, I wasn't sure what was like I didn't think about it so when it happened all of a sudden blood starts squirting, squirting out like, like in a movie or something. And it, I mean, it freaked me up. My wrist was, and you know, you know, people say like, you gotta go the long ways or whatever. Well, I don't, I don't know. All I know is like blood starts squirting out 
I freaked out and like I like the fear of death like hit me like this dude, you can really bleed out like and I went and got like a sewing needle and thread and, and like sitting there sewing my wrist back shut with blood squirting out that was like the first I think time I had an account uh encounter with like suicidal thoughts um but then after that it was something that was there all the time you know something that I was infatuated with almost and it would just like there was a uh, one point I had a friend uh, and this is around 2011, 2012, I had a friend who was extremely suicidal and me and him would talk about it. Like we'd call each other and literally plan, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like we would sit there and be like, yeah, man, we could do it this way, but you know, I don't want our families to find us. You know what I mean? We would plan this, like we were going on a vacation or something. Uh, and then in 2012, I ended up having another, you know, suicidal, uh, attack at this point. I think I was just so done with my life. This was couple years into my my heroin addiction I had a, a a baby at this point um me and the baby's mom weren't working out uh I had just had lost a best friend uh to a car accident which I held myself partially responsible for because I was driving to meet him and I I had gotten alcohol poisoning that night so I'm feeling like man I should have wrecked my car you know what I mean not him uh and so I'm dealing with all this stuff at, at once and everything's just piling up and I basically one night, uh, you know, I want to add this too real quick, though, is that, you know, at this point I was messing around Ouija boards. I was living on, at a house that was on the battlefield and like I was having sleep paralysis on like uh, probably two two times a week at least. You know what I mean? And so I'm having these demonic encounters. Like I would have friends stay over and literally call their moms like 23 years old. You know, these people like call their moms, come pick me up because they'd be so scared to be in the house. Um, and so, I mean, it was very heavy, like whatever was going on was opened up, you know, there. Um, so I'm having, you know, playing Ouija boards and stuff like that. And next thing I know, like this wave of, of suicide hit me real heavy, like real heavy. And, um, so anyways, one night I was just sitting there and I was just, you know, I was drinking a little and I said, you know what, I think I'm done. Like I'm looking at my life and I was like, yeah, what am I doing here? Like, you know what I mean? You wasted your whole life you know, and, um, I said, I'm done. So I went and I got a microphone cord. Uh, I lived on a house with, that had like a, a river surrounding it. And there was like a little cliff on the one side of it. And it was like a, you know, 20, 25 foot drop. And since it was on battlefield land, it had a uh, posts, civil war posts. And I tied the cord to the post, tied it to my neck. And I just kind of stepped off. Like it was my front porch, you know, and, and, um, and I had fell, the rope caught and I knew it was a bad idea. Like that was my first thought was this wasn't a good idea. And um, next thing I knew I was in the water and, or I didn't know I was in the water. I was, I was in a dream where I felt like I was in water and I couldn't breathe or move. And all of a sudden I see this little light coming towards me. And once it kind of got close, all of a sudden I was free. And like, I could breathe again. And I popped up from the water and realized like everything that had happened. Um, and so that really woke me up. Like, I've never thought about suicide since that, that day. I knew that was not the answer. And I also knew that there was a God that, that loved me after that. Wow. That, that is, that's amazing. So we went from, um, mental illness, then, um, addiction, suicide. So my next question to you is, or do you want to add anything before we get to the next question? No, no, no. You 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 got a good flow going. I'm gonna ride with you. <laughs> All right. So my next question is, what was the turning point for you? When did Jesus wreck your life in a good way? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so I, you know honestly the turn a uh, turning point for me was in 2014 when i got this uh distribution of heroin charge that was a turning point because i mean that sat me down for 18 months that really rocked my world because i had a kid at that point that i was you know live that was living with me she was three at the time um i I was going to massage therapy school that ruined that. So that was a slap in my face. Um, and at this point it was like the fun, the partying, the fun, like everyone else knew how to turn it off. And obviously I did it. So for me, that was a turning point. Cause I, now I'm sitting in jail for 18 months. Like, all right, this is real. Like this isn't, you know, I, I had, I was used to a little going to jail for a month, going to jail five days a week, you know, like I was used to little stuff, petty stuff. But this one sat me down. So that was a turning point where I started to really like look at myself, look at my life and cry out to God. I didn't have an encounter with God or a connection with God, but I started to just look at like something, whoever's good, whatever's good out there. Like I know something's out there helped me. And so uh, at that point, I started going to church in 2016. I got out and started going to church and, uh, you know, but nothing was nothing changed for me. So, I, you know, as far as like uh, conviction you know, it's funny, though, I will say this uh, around. So at the end of 2017, uh, I was dating this girl and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I started getting convicted about having sex. Like, and you know what I mean? Like it was, it was wild because I didn't even know what was going on. I had no grid for what was happening. I mean, I knew I had been going to church, but I didn't connect it to God. I just remember like we would do something. And afterwards, I'd be thinking like this, like someone would call me like this isn't right. And I remember I would say something to her like, hey, I don't think I want to do this anymore until we get married. And she would like laugh. And then I'd laugh like, like, stop playing. And I'd laugh and, like I was joking. But in my heart, I'm like, nah, like this, like I really mean it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that did happen. But that was that was about all I, I could look back that saw. But in 2017, I ended up homeless. And I had an overdose where I ended back up in jail. I had only been out for a year and some change, like a year and a half at that point. Or, yeah, like a year. Um, and I, so I ended up back in jail. And so the turning point was when I ended up back in jail, I went to a drug, uh, a program that was Christian based. Um, and it was a faith-based program within the jail. And so the turning point was, I, I was like, I know Jesus is real. I don't even know how I had faith, but I had faith in Jesus. It was there. Um, but I had no greater understanding of Jesus. And so what happened was in the program, I was getting ready to leave the program a weekend because I had a friend uh, from the street that um, it was funny, actually funny story. I was going to move in with him before I got locked up and then he disappeared. And when I go to the jail, he's my bunkie. You know what I mean? I'm like, I guess we moved in together anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, he was like, man, just stay, give it a chance. And so I did. And like, I heard a voice one day say, Josh, why don't you just try? And so I was like, all right. So I started reading my Bible. Um, I started listening when speakers would come. And like, I can't call it, you know what I mean? Like there was no moment uh, of encounter or anything, but what happened was like two weeks into this, a week or two into this, everything started to change. Like I started completely losing any desire to talk about drugs, women, guns, all that jail talk. I started evacuating those situations, going and reading and praying. And then I started noticing Every time I would pray to Jesus, I would feel like this joy come over me, this peace come over me. And like, I would, I mean, it got like, I'd be wrecked for like 30 minutes, like laughing. And meanwhile, my life is over. Like, you know what I mean? I'm looking at my life situation and I'm like, what am I laughing about? Like my life's over. It's rude. I got eight years over my head. I just caught a new felony. 
Um, and, and then people started, would come up to me and be like, what happened to you? There was one dude that said, man, I don't know why, but every time I look at you, no matter how bad of a day I'm having, I feel happy. Like, and so like, I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. All I know is that every time I say Jesus, I feel good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I just started, I just kept going. Like I got obsessed with reading my Bible. I couldn't stop and praying. And, and that was a turn point. Like it, what actually, you know, what's funny. What happened was this dude came in one day, a speaker. And he looked at me, he was talking about sin. And I raised my hand, like I had a question. I said, I said, man, I'm a, I'm a drug addict. I said, that means I sin across the board. Like, I don't, it's not like I'm struggling with porn. Like, no, dude, like whatever it is that's wrong, I do because it's just, that's the lifestyle. Like, how do I stop? And he looked at me. I'll never forget this, bro. He said, you're not a drug addict. He said, you're free in Jesus name. He's like, I'm coming back next week and you're going to tell me your testimony. And I'm like, okay, he didn't pray for me or nothing. And uh, I'm thinking in my head, um, how could, how I'm on the, I'm in jail. How could I know? If, how could I test this out? You know what I mean? Well, what happens is the next day when you're in jail, you know, coffee is like, that is, that is the classiest thing you could have there. You know what I mean? So I'm chugging coffee like six, seven cups a day. And the next day it was like nighttime. And I realized I didn't have a cup of coffee, like the impulse of drinking coffee just was gone. Like, I didn't care. It was just gone. I didn't care if I had it or not at, like that. And I, and I just took it by faith. And I said, wow, I'm free. Like addiction's gone. And I just rode that wave and was like, yes, yeah, it's done. That was the turning point. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Like he, <laughs> that's the power of faith right there. And that's the power of our words. Cause he could have bought into it saying, oh yeah, this, but he said, no, you're free in Jesus name. So my question, my next question, or my follow-up question is, how did you distinguish which God to follow? Because, you know, this new age movement that made me pray to the universe, made me do this, made me do that. So how did you know? Or was it trial and error for you? Yeah, that's good. Um, for me, it was definitely trial and error. Uh, I will say this. I didn't get into, I never looked into Islam, really. Um, I, there was a lot of things, obviously, I didn't. I think if we're honest with ourselves, people like to say, you know, there's thousands of gods and religions. But if we're honest with ourselves, really, the only big religions are uh, Hinduism, uh, Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, like those and the New Age. Like those are the only ones I really hear of. Everything else is pretty. You don't hear about it too often, even in the you know Eastern world. Um, but. Uh, so for me, I started my first contact with religion or spirituality was Buddhism. When I was 15, I was at a, um, a, a rehab. I saw a book on Buddhism one day. This is when my spiritual hunger started really stirring back then in, uh, due to psychedelics. I was really into psychedelics, had some spiritual experiences. And so I saw this book on Buddhism and I, I started reading it and I was just infatuated with the lifestyle, like the, that it wasn't a religion, it was a lifestyle. And so I was infatuated with meditation and I started getting into it. And I started having some like, in, I won't say encounters, but I started having some um, enlightening experiences, I guess you could say. I started having some, I, I guess, mind-altering moments in meditation. And I started experiencing a, a change in my perspective of the world. And so uh, that was my first thing that I kind of got into. And I carried that for about a year where I was really into it, into Buddhism, and it actually practiced, you know, the majority of it. And uh, then it kind of transitioned into the new age, really. I wasn't a big practicer of the new age in the sense of crystals, 
Um, but I did tarot cards. I went to a psychic. I did Reiki. Um, I got Reiki done to me um, a few times. I was in a, I was in massage therapy school, so I was very much into the mindset and the the way of thinking of the new age. Uh, like I I would I did all the stuff that new age people do as far as practices, other than maybe like crystals. You know what I mean? And I wasn't religious about it, but for me, I think what got me was that Jesus was the last thing I believed, you know, like Jesus was a complete joke to me because of my just encounters with Christians in the past. Um, and I never saw anything to make me look at it seriously. You know, I never saw anything to, to, you know, to get me triggered. So I like this one example I have is there was this one time, uh, it was Easter Sunday and, and, I was at the gas station. I'm pumping gas in my car. And at the same time, I'm pumping gas. I'm sitting in my car getting ready to do a shot. And I have all my spoon out, my drugs out, and it's all in the center. And I'm just sitting there. I have my door open. I'm sitting there getting ready to do all this stuff. My friend's next to me. And he's like, hey, hey, chill, chill. Someone's coming. And this lady walks up to my window and she sees what's going on in the car. And she, like, you would have sworn she saw the devil. You know what I mean? Like, she looks like terrified. And she threw a track in my car. <laughs> she's like, she's, she just ran off. She's like, happy Easter through the track and, and dipped. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, I guess like my perception was like, man, like it showed me that like the darkness I'm living in is too strong for your God. Like what I'm dealing with is too powerful that your God don't even want, is scared of me. That's how like I looked at it. Like, wow. you know what I mean? And so um, so I thought Christianity was a joke. And so whenever I started calling on Jesus and he came, I mean, bro, it was like, this is not, this is not happening right now. Like you are, are the last thing I wanted, like thought was real and you're showing up right now. And you, and so I think it wasn't even a question. I just know, like, you know, like when the King of Kings shows up, like you don't even need, he doesn't need to say his name. Like you just know, like, this is Jesus Christ. Like, and so for me, it was just, that was, that was kind of it. It kind of trumped everything else I had dealt with. And I had called out to anything like, Hey, whoever's out there, come get my soul. You know what I mean? Like that's how, how, where I was at. It's crazy though. Cause like when you put the counterfeit toward, uh, against the original, the original always stand out. Cause you know how yeah. they say like if FBI agents, they don't teach them how to spot counterfeits. They just tell them to look at the real thing over and over and over again. So I think sometimes mm. we try mm. to we we try to look at the counterfeits like oh maybe the counterfeits like the original but when we look at the original we like man there's no one that can trump Jesus he's like you said the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords like at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue shall confess yeah. so it's crazy because like what I heard in New Age is like there's like this whole uh, spirit guide the spirit guide Jesus and all the does which is not the true Jesus so it's crazy how they try to imitate. Jesus, but Jesus is a person that is often imitated, but he's never duplicated because he's one of a kind. Like yeah, yeah. He, he's like everything is beneath his feet. So I just love how Jesus was the last on your list, but as soon as you start to seek him, he found you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's yes, so sir. Yes, sir. Anything you want to add yeah. before we go to the next question? No, no. It's that's a that's a really good point. That's kind of a, a topic. I'm I'm kind of praying about and really kind of been focusing on more uh is just the the counterfeit of new age like it is it is almost a direct blueprint of christianity 
copied except they take the biggest piece out of it it's like you know i mean they take jesus out the picture and put them in the place but everything about it is the true christianity and following jesus um except you know a, a couple little things in some ways but they're the biggest aspect of christianity so very interesting but yeah we can go to the next question but that's so good let's stay with that real quick because mm -hmm. <laughs> i realized like you said they they imitate Christianity, but then they take Jesus out of it. Like, how how is it? This is me. I cannot pray to the universe when I have access to the one who created the universe. Like, I'm not, right. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm just that's just not me. I'm not gonna pray to the universe. I'm not gonna pray to my ancestors. No, I'm gonna pray to Jesus because Jesus right. can only change things. Because what I realized with the devil is the devil will give you his right hand, but he will take away with he'll take away from you with his left hand. So I was like, yeah, um, yeah. let me let me serve the God who gives promises, who gives blessings without any toil, without any problems. Because what yeah. I what I've seen, because I've seen some um, testimonies, I've even had someone who practiced New Age, but now she's a follower of Jesus. That is, is all like, is this fake? And this whole law law of attraction, it happens. It's real. Law of attraction is real, right. but <laughs> it's always a price you have to pay. Right. It's real power. And I always use this example when I talk to people, you know, uh, I say, look, man, when you're a kid, you know, people teach you like if someone's trying to kidnap you. What do they do? They offer you some candy. Like if my goal is to take your soul. I don't mind giving you 100 bucks here, a new car there. If my goal is to get you to the end of this road and I got you got to travel down this whole path. Why am I I'm going to lure you with whatever I have, because at the end, I'm taking something far more valuable. You know what I mean? And so you might got you might got a million dollars from your manifestation and from the, you know, the psychic or whatever, however, you, whatever you do. But you might have just cost your your whole family's generation for the next six years. You know what I mean? Like six generations, like you curse everybody. You know what I mean? Who so, yeah, for sure. Wow. That is so crazy. You say that because, you know, when you read Matthew four, when Jesus was tempted, the third temptation was. The devil told Jesus, like, I give you all of this. I give you the riches. I give you the kingdom. I give you everything. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And it's right, crazy how right. the devil, who some people think the devil is in hell, but the Bible says that devil is the prince of the air. He, he's, he's around this earth. He's the lowercase g God of this world. So it's crazy how even if the devil can tempt Jesus, sometimes we think that, oh, no, you know, the devil can't come to me. The devil is not tempting me. This is I manifest this. This is all by my doing. Uh, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I I'm think excited. that's a, Go ahead. Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Man. No, I'm just I'm excited. Oh, when if the Lord leads you to talk about this. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Well, I think, you know, the, so what gets me the most is this idea that that we are people are gods like god spoke life into existence and people put that and like be like well we're a god and they talk about very small things like i manifested a new job like most people can't even control their tongue much less speak a tree to in, into existence you know what i mean so it's like if you want to you're going to label yourself like i am a god i am like all powerful like i can create and it's like, everyone's still paying taxes. Y'all still have the same world problems as me. Like, y'all ain't creating nothing good. If that, you know what I mean? So, like, that's my issue with it. It's like, people don't understand in the spiritual realm, there's nothing to hide behind. There's nothing you can hide behind. You are what you are. And you are either going to belong to Jesus 
or the the principalities and the powers of the air are gonna they're gonna destroy you. Like you know what I mean? Like you're not you're not strong. I don't care if you bench six thousand pounds. If it's a principality, you're, you're toast. Like you're done. And so this idea, it's just this ego of and pride of man. Like we're powerful. No, not 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 in the spirit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need Jesus. <laughs> so yeah. That that is so true. I have nothing else to say. Like we need Jesus. That's 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 the whole statement in its own in its own right. So my next question to you is, how important for you is it? How important is it for you to have community, like the right community, to have godly community in your life? It's extremely important. It's extremely important to me. Uh, but I will say that it's been probably one of the biggest struggles for me. Um, and the reason being that. You know, I have a friend, uh, he's, a, he's an older, you know, gentleman, uh, and he's been in, he, he actually was in the, the Christian uh, program I was in in jail, and he, he came and spoke there a couple of times, and we got in contact about two years ago, I was doing a Bible study he came to, and so we've been, we're friends now, and we, you know, we keep in touch, and anyways, he, he has over 20 years of prison ministry experience, and he told me that in all those years, he says, most inmates that do encounter Jesus and get out, he says almost none of them are even invited over somebody's house for a meal, much less find a family. And they, most of them fall away because, and, you know, and so basically, you know, I've been blessed. I have, I've, God's put some good solid people in my life to bless me, but I have definitely gone through a difficult challenge of finding community because it was kind of like, I would find churches and people that would welcome me in initially but then it would stop at a very superficial level. Or the other thing that would happen would be like, uh, I was cool in church, but I wasn't invited to the restaurant after church. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, like to find actual true friendships in, in community, not just like, oh, we go to church together and, and say hi and eat a donut together, but to find, you know what I mean? But to find like a friend, I mean, it, it was, it, it took a long time. And so what I found was that I had a couple of my friends from my old past life that were, um, that I would kind of keep in touch with and keep boundaries with, but cause they were like actually there, you know what I mean? Like they, they would, they'd be there, but then it got to the point where I, I couldn't do it because they were just always wanting to go out and drink and, and I couldn't just be around that all the time. Um, and I found myself in this middle lane of like, I wasn't Christian enough ever because of my past and I'm too Christian for the world. So I'm like, you know, um, so community is important. I've, you know, like I said, this has been, that was a, a journey. Um, and I found a community now, which, you know, that it, I'm still growing, you know what I mean? I'm still trying to navigate that actually, but, uh, I, I definitely have some solid people and leaders at least that I can call on and stuff like that now, you know, um, so it's important though, because iron sharpens iron, you know what I mean? And if we're just out here by ourselves, like that, it, it, you, you don't last. I, I mean, I've done it. You know what I mean? You, you, you don't last. If you're just out here by yourself, eventually you're going to be discouraged or something, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's not a, a, we're not meant to walk in the wilderness forever. So. That is so good. Cause the Bible says in first Peter that the enemy or the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Bible mm, says looking mm. for seeking for some church, some community, some group. It says someone. So what I believe is like the devil's plan is to isolate a person. 
because when you're isolated, then you know, then you get destroyed because every bad idea seems good in isolation. Amen. <laughs> you know Amen. what I mean? So every bad yeah. idea that someone comes up with is either you buy yourself or you buy your friend that you shouldn't be in contact with. <laughs> that seems yeah. good yeah. in that in that uh situation, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good, definitely. So Definitely. my follow-up question is, would you want to start like a nonprofit that like will connect people who are addicted to like a community, to like a Christian-based community? Would you want to do that? Or are you thinking about doing that? And I should just stop talking now or? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've never thought about doing anything like that really. Um, primarily the only things I've really, you know, focused on kingdom-wise is I got, I'm heavily involved in with like street evangelism uh, and just, you know, doing a lot of outreach and stuff, inner city outreach and stuff like that. That's been the main, main thing. But I think it's actually a season that I'm kind of, I'm still in, you know what I mean? It's, it's my, my main passion in the kingdom is winning souls, you know? Uh, but I'm trying to expand into other territories, I think. Uh, and so that's, that might be something I, I pray about, you know what I mean? That's not, that's definitely not a, a bad idea. So, but right as of right now, it's not. Okay. Is there anything you want to add before we get to the next question? No, I'm, I'm okay. Thank All you. All right. So my next question to you is like, how do you handle the temptation of going back? Because you say you're in it for nine to 11 years of this mm. doing drugs and all this other things. So how do you handle t- the temptation of going back? Say you had a bad day and, you know, usually in the past when you had a bad day, you know what your fix was. So how do you handle that temptation? So, so for me, like I got very radically freed from addiction. Right. And, uh, so the desire for drugs was, I mean, it was gone. Like I had no taste whatsoever, but I will say this, this is one thing that happened was, uh, when I got out, I was in a halfway house and, uh, in the halfway house, everybody chain smoked. And so I'd be like the only one and like everyone would be outside talking and I'd just be in the house. And so one day I was like, you know what? I was kind of like, God, I gave you so much. Like, I, I think I could just like smoke a cigarette and, and it's cool. Right. And so I did. And it was like that chain came on like, boom, right away. And so what happened was I had a fight to get free again. Like God really left it there to show me, I think, one, how to lean on him to fight through something. And then two, to remind me, like, you know, like, did you really forget what it's like to be, you know, in chains? Um, And so it took me about five months of fighting. I mean, like, uh, buy a pack of cigarettes, smoke one, you know, repent, throw the pack away the next day. But you know what I mean? Like I fought, fought, fought. And eventually, you know, I went on a fast and and, and it it broke. Um, So as far as like the temptation for drugs, it's been, I mean, it's just gone. It's just not there because I know like, for one, I have this inner fear almost of like, I know if I went to like a hard drug, I'd, I'd be done. Like, I think I would just die. Like, um, but so the temptation for drugs, just it's just gone. Um, but I will say that I definitely have been tempted with uh, like marijuana uh, and alcohol. And I've had a couple, you know, slips with, with those things in my walk, you know, and uh, because I think for one, I, I, I had a moment of struggling with thinking that marijuana was okay. Like I, I was one of those people like, I, I don't know, I think that might might be cool with this. And so I kind of tested those waters. Um, alcohol, you know, like I, I had, oh, it's okay to drink and, and have a, a little too much and get tipsy. Like I've had those. So, but as far as the addiction aspect though, it's been broken. 
Um, and what I mean by that is like, it's like, oh, I, this isn't good. I repent. Like it was sin that I repented of and then was fine. Uh, I, I, like I, and so I think of it as like when Paul says, do not use your freedom to engage with the flesh. Um, you know, like I'm free from it. Like I'm not tempted to go back. And the primary reason I think is because I know uh, there's nothing there for me. Like you can't tempt something with somebody that something they don't want. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like just there's nothing there that's appealing to me. Uh, so I, I don't really get tempted to it anymore. You know, and I just know that there's nothing good that's going to come from it. Well, that, that's amazing to hear. And it's crazy how you said, like, you got radically free. And sometimes when you're free radically that you don't have to put in the work, we usually take that freedom for granted. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like, yeah. it reminds me of in the book of um, Numbers, you know, the Israelites were taken out of Egypt. They didn't even have to fight for it. God just showed up and he showed out and took them out. But then in Numbers, mm-hmm. they they formed a committee saying, like, let us go back to Egypt. Yeah. Let us, let us yeah. go back to our slavery. Let us go back to where we were whipped. Let us go back. At least there was lentils in Egypt. At least there were onions in Egypt. And it's crazy, like, how when you don't fight for your freedom, you so you easily squander it away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, and that's, I mean, that's what happened with the whole cigarette thing. And, and I'm grateful for it because it taught me truly how to lean on the Lord. Like, I, I, you know, and so that's, that's, that's it. That's amazing. So my next question to you is, how do you handle people trying to disqualify you from the calling God has placed on your life? Because they look at your past and like, oh, no, God can never use someone like you. I don't know if you go through that but I know how Christians can be sometimes. So how do you handle yeah. those type of people? Um, you know, I think it's kind of back to the community thing where I dealt with, I mean, like it was always this initial, like, oh, you have a powerful testimony. And it's like, but that's detached from who I am. It's like, let's use the testimony or um, let's uh, like, let's welcome you in. And then once you don't conform how we see fit within a month, now you're excommunicated. I mean, I dealt with a lot of church hurt in that regards. It didn't get to me too much. Uh, I think, and the main reason why is because uh, it's back to identity. Once I realized that I was already accepted by Jesus, rejection from any person didn't matter. It was like, all right, cool. Like, I just keep moving. But um, I think for me, it was like knowing because obviously, God uses the body to speak to the body. You know what I mean? And people say, you know, well, uh, you know, church didn't hurt you. Or I mean, uh, God didn't hurt you. The church did, Um, you know, but it's like, we're the body. So it's like, if the whole body's what I believe perceiving to tell me something, I'm going to start to listen to it. You know what I mean? And so I think for me, um, I had, like I said, I was blessed to have a handful of people really kind of catch me early. And they've really poured into me and, and encouraged me and, and spoken over my life. So I, I've known, like, okay, I'm called. I know, you know what I mean? I've known. But I think that the biggest struggle for me has been just doubting myself. Because it's like, you know, you have uh, this aspect of believing you're called, but always questioning if you're doing it right. And so for me, I struggled a long time, I think, and didn't know I was struggling with it of trying to be approved by the church and trying to please everybody I knew in the church community. And it was like, I thought like, okay, I started seeing miracles. I started seeing signs and wonders. I thought like the more people I led to Jesus, the more, the more of this, the more of that, it would be like, okay, he's good. 
But I realized like the more of that stuff I saw, the more rejected I was. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, and so I think for me, it just, it, it, I hit a point where I was just, uh, I was in a season where I had nobody. I didn't have any, any friends. I didn't have anything. And I'd, and it'd be Friday night and I'd be on my phone and see everybody out, you know, doing stuff in the church community that I, I didn't have a huge church community, but this, you know, people I knew. And I, and it'd be like, God telling me like, come, come to the prayer room. And so it got to the point where I said, God, I don't, I don't have any friends, but you send your word. The Holy Spirit's my, my best friend. So I, I got the Holy Spirit and I got God. And that was all I had for a while where it was just like, and so what happened was I hit a point where I finally knew I had an encounter, a season of encounters that solidified it to such a point that I'm like, I could care if the whole church building, you know, a whole mega church calls me out or discredits me. I know, like I know now. And so now it's just, it's just me just, staying humble to Jesus and just moving, you know, as he, he leads me and um, just knowing, you know, listening to the, to the voices that are feeding me life. I think that's really identity in Christ and listening to the, those that are pouring life into you. It's kind of how I overcame it. I think. That's so good. Cause sometimes you have to remember who called you is the church right. that didn't call you the community, even though we're for community, the community didn't call you. So if they didn't right. call you, they can't disqualify you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think people need to hear, people listening, people watching need to hear that. It's like they're walking in life, like they're trying to prove themselves to other people and try to get approval from other people. Well, you already got approval from God. How do you know this? You you approved by God that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. If that doesn't show approval, I don't know what, what will be. Because the people who try yeah. to disqualify you won't sacrifice their son for you. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So it's just yeah. to get into the mindset that God is for us. He's not against us. And if God caught us to it, he will get us through it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So is there yeah. any, so there's no crazy, crazy stories that people say like, no, you can't do this. Or I don't know if you're called to do that or. Um, well, what did happen? I think not really anything like crazy happened. Um, but basically, you know, I definitely had some, some, a lot of pushback whenever it came to like uh, miracles and the giftings and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of churches out there that keep it conservative. And, you know, it's funny because I love, I love my, my even reform preachers. Like I, I listen to everybody, you know what I mean? I love reform theology. I love everything. Like I listen to the charismatic kind of everything. And so it's been interesting to me because I'm like, why, why is it so hard for people to uh, just agree on at least what we agree on? And, and I don't know, keep it, keep it cool. But um, no, I had a, I did have, the only thing I'd had really was um, there, I was, there was a church I was going to that was more on the reform side. And I basically was going to the thing, to meetings and the Bible studies and stuff. And there were worship nights. And I would just get uninvited from places. Like they would just, like, I would talk about, like, I would t- share testimonies. Like, yeah, I saw this happen today. Or, or um, in worship, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd maybe sing in tongues to myself or something. I don't, you know what I mean? And Next thing I know, like, I just wouldn't get the invite to the, the meetings. You know what I mean? It was like, all of a sudden, I'm not invited to the Bible study or the worship nights. So I would have things like that. It was never direct to my face. It would just be like, hmm, this is interesting. Like, all five of these people just stopped talking to me. You know what I mean? Um, but there was never anything. No one ever really, like, to my face or 
in any type of bold way did anything. So. So how did you not um, internalize that? I guess rejection is quote unquote. How did you not internalize that? Um, I think I, I just, I think I'm not saying I have always, I think there was a season where I did let it get to me and I got a little bitter towards, towards church and towards Christianity. Um, but for, for me, I think where I found healing and where I found the freedom from it to where now stuff like that just doesn't touch me. It's like, uh, you know, like Jesus, Jesus was literally crucified by the people he was helping. It's just like, once you really get that, that revelation of like, Jesus was perfect. Look how he was treated. It's like, where did I sign up and where did Jesus say like, Hey, everyone's going to like you. Everyone's going to approve of you. It's just knowing like, all right, well, I'm going to do right by, by Jesus. And now, and I think it transitioned from like, I don't, it's not about what people are doing to me. It's about what am I doing to them? Like, as long as I'm governing myself properly, as long as I know I don't have any offense in that, or like, I didn't do anything wrong, or if, you know what I mean? It is what it is. And I just, you know, you just let it, you just keep moving, you know, pray for him and keep it going. Like, that's kind of how I look at it now, you know? That's so good. Cause Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who curse you. So sometimes we try to get even, but God's like, no, let, let me handle it. Let me test their heart. You don't got to do anything. Does like you said, we have to remember that we're in the audience of one. We're just trying to please God. And mm. that's it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I love how you, you, you're so honest about it too. You said maybe in the past I was bitter, but then the Lord transformed my heart. And now all I can do is just pray for them. Cause you, right. you, you lash now on them and it's not going to do anything. They might just say like, I told you, see, see, that's why we can't, that I told you. So you just got to go with grace, go with peace and let God handle the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So anything you want to add before we go to the last question? It's crazy how quick our conversation has gone by, but is there anything you want to add before we go to the last question? No, I, I think I, one thing, no, I think I'm good. Actually. I, I'm not, I might save it for the end, okay. whatever, whatever comes to my heart then. Okay, yeah. cool. So my last question to you is what are some ways God is using your testimony to transform lives? I know you're on Instagram, you're, sh um, you're sharing reels, you're sharing stories. So what are some ways that God is using your testimony to transform lives? So it's real interesting. I've not, uh, you know, like I said, this is, you know, I've been walking with Jesus four and a half years. And so God never put it on my heart to share my testimony. I mean, I've, I've been sharing my testimony, you know, in small doses, one-on-one -on -one with people on the street, you know, since I've had it, you know, uh, but I haven't, God's never told me like, Hey, Josh, make a video, record this. Um, and then about three months ago, two or three months ago, God started putting it on my heart to share the, share my testimony. He's like, record it. And he spoke to me clearly and he said, uh, don't promote it. I'm going to promote it. And so I put it on my YouTube, which at the time I only had like 40 followers. Like I didn't have, you know what I mean? Like, and I didn't have, uh, or I didn't put it on my Facebook. I didn't put it on Instagram or anything. I, I said, okay. And I just posted it and it was just there. Two days later, a YouTube channel reached out to me and they said they want to share it to their page. And they had like, you know, big, like 120 something thousand followers. So that was my first, like, what? That's crazy. So God's like, he's going to do what he said. So they posted it. And then three or four days later, Della Faye reached out to me. One of the, uh, one of my friends, Junior, asked me, uh, he said, hey, do you want to record uh, your testimony with Della Faye? 
um, you know, the, the, their, their friends, or whatever. And so, so yeah. And so I did that testimony and man, God's blowing my mind with it. I mean, it's, it's blowing my mind because for one that, you know, it's always, it's all, it feels good when you hear God and then it's confirmed by like, you know, outside sources and, and you know, uh, and so that just seeing that it's like, man, like God did what he said. I actually got a word from somebody. I went to a, um, there's a revivalist. Uh, I don't know if you know, Daniel Adams, but, uh, he had, uh, a meeting in, uh, in Maryland. It was my birthday weekend. You know what I mean? And this goes, this is actually like, this was towards the end of the season where I was talking about, you know, rejection and bitterness and stuff is I was coming out of that season. This is in August and I was making peace with all this stuff. And so it was my birthday weekend and I was at the revival and one of his intercessors came up to me before that even started. She just walked up to me and she just looked at me and said, Hey, God's got something special for you tonight. And she said, um, he's about to release your testimony and millions of people are going to get saved through. And I was just like, wow. And so it confirmed that word, that word kind of, to me, this, it was like the beginning of that. Um, and so for me, it's just, I mean, seeing people, I don't really pay attention to too much of the comments. Um, but people have reached out to me. I've read some of the comments and it's just blowing my mind that, you know, a lot of parents are reaching out to me about for their kids to pray for their kids. Um, a lot of people that are saying they're going to come back to Jesus that kind of backslid. People are saying they want to get clean. I think my favorite ones that kind of they were making me tear up. You know, I was reading some of the comments and I was tearing up because people were saying, uh, you know, I, I'm going to get clean tomorrow. Like, I, I, I want to get off drugs now. You know what I mean? And those were the ones that really, really hit me and, you know, and blessed me. And so, you know, as, as long as it's making people want Jesus, making people want to get clean and live better lives that's all I could ask for and that's all I could hope for is that you know like that is my testimony like I did everything wrong in my life and God still had mercy on me he still saved me and he still you know blessed me and so that's my testimony you know what I mean and and uh he can do it for anyone I know he can you know he wants to so Oh, that is so good. Amazing, Joshua. Uh, it, um, do you have any last encouragement and advice to anyone watching this or listening to this? Um, I would just say that, you know, if you're somebody that's in the body of Christ and you're watching this, I would just stress the importance of not getting sucked up in Christian activity. The importance of literally just sitting at the feet of Jesus and the secret place, like, the secret place is the whole, as far as on earth, being on earth, the secret place and having heaven inside you and heaven around you, that is the whole like reward, like Jesus having access to Jesus and carrying him into, like we compartmentalize our lives, you know, and it's like, all right, church time, prayer time, but like Jesus really died for something so much greater. Like we have access to him 24 seven to where he lives in us. And we could bring them everywhere at all times. And I think one of my favorite things is I, I'll build myself up in the secret place, worship and just love on Jesus, love on Jesus until I, I feel that shift. And then I carry it some, to the grocery store and just keep it going and ride that wave. You know, like that, that wave is where that's the goal is to stay on that, that wave of, of not quenching the spirit and just riding it. And so I think, you know, like my encouragement is like, if you feel like you're stuck in religious patterns or you're stuck in like um, a 
do it this way, not that way type of routine with God. Lose yourself in the secret place. Lose yourself in just like Jesus. Let's everything I got wrong. Like let's let's build this thing back up the correct way. You know, I think so. That's my encouragement. I think to anyone in the in the body of Christ is just like, let's just get back to a place of worship and just laying it at Jesus' feet, just knowing Him, being with Him. Um, and then and then for people that are struggling, whether it's addiction or mental illness, you know, surrender is a funny thing because surrender. Many times in our life, we think we're surrendered and we're not, or we're 80% surrendered and we're not. And many times we really, truly, if we go into our heart, we just want to be free from the pain. And so I would challenge you to look at your life. And I was reading this the other day, Romans 6, and it says, oh man, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, but at the end of Romans 6, it says, look at the, when you were slaves, look at what it produced in your life. Now you're free to, and now you're a slave to righteousness. So I would challenge you, look at your life. What is the fruit that keeps appearing in your life? Are you always ending up in broken relationships? Are you always ending up depressed? Are you riding these like three month waves of, of happy joy and then crashing? Are like, what is the fruit of your life and what does it keep leading you to? And then you got to question yourself on what are you chained to? Because it doesn't matter. This is, you know, this is a, I'll shout out an old rapper friend, uh, guy like uh, idea. He said, it doesn't matter if your chain is 10 feet or a hundred feet, you're still bound by a chain. And you know what I mean? And so many times we, we keep on this identity of like, it's cool because it's just this depression and we've normalized bondage. Like, it's not normal. That's not cool. Like, that's not what God wants for you. Um, and so I would say, like, look at that stuff. And that stuff, like, God will take all that. I'm trying to tell you that I was bipolar, depressed. Um, I was on medication. I was ADD. Like, I was, I mean, I, I was bound in all types of chains in my mind and emotionally. And Jesus freed me from all of it. You know what I mean? I ain't saying that I have perfect days every day. I definitely have. But I mean, the, the degree is like a 5%, you know, thing. It's very, very rare that I'm depressed. It's very, very, you know, short-lived when it happens. Um, Jesus will free you. You cry out to Jesus from a place of wanting to know him. You call out to him from a place of wanting him to live inside you and take your life and make it his. And you call on him so you could die and live for Christ. He'll do it. And um, and when he sees that, it says this in um, Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, if I had hidden sin within my heart or cherished sin within my heart, the Lord would not have heard. So it's when you say, Jesus, I don't even like this stuff. Like, I hate this stuff. I want everything gone. I want the life you have for me. He'll come. And when you surrender to that, he'll take it all away. I promise you. Uh, that is so good. Thank you for coming on, Joshua. Uh, taking time out of your Saturday to speak on how Jesus set you free. But before we end this episode, we want to get to know you a little bit better through a game called This or that. So the way the game works, I give you two options. Uh, you choose one. If I get above three, I know you pretty well. You know, I never met you. If I get below three, means I don't know you at all, and I gotta hang out next time. In, hang out with you next time I'm in Virginia. So whenever you're ready, okay. let me know. All right. All right, I'm ready. All right. So between the two apostles, which one would you pick, Peter or Paul? Peter. All right. So would you rather go hiking or running? Hiking. All right. So are you an early bird or a night owl? Uh, naturally, I'm a night owl, but I'm learning to become an early bird. 
<laughs> so do you like Snickers or do you like Twix? Snickers. All right. So would you rather take a nap or read a book? Read a book. Well, I don't know you. I got two out of two out of five. So I picked yeah. I picked hiking and night owl. I thought you pick okay. a nap. Who doesn't like naps? But I guess I guess you don't. So <laughs> <laughs> not like I like them. I just never seem to be able to get them, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this has been amazing, Joshua. So what I ask of the guests that come on Saturday conversation um to do is to pray before we end it. So do you mind praying for us? Of course. Father, I just uh, thank you right now. I bless you, Jesus. I give you all the glory. And I ask you for mercy. I ask you for a tenderness being applied to everybody's heart. Jesus, I ask that your eyes, the eyes of fire, would burn and penetrate our minds, our hearts, and our spirits right now. That you begin to lift up everything that's in the way, remove everything that we don't want, and guide us into a deeper place with you, that you would guide us into a deeper truth of you. Lord, I ask that wisdom and revelation would come upon us. I ask that our hearts would be tender for you, that they would be open, Lord. I pray for everybody watching, Lord. And I ask that by the power of the Holy Ghost and by the authority of heaven, Lord, I ask that freedom would be given to those who want it. I ask that hearts would be brought to surrender, Lord. I ask for salvations, Lord. I ask that your face would be seen as it is, Lord. I ask that you would help us to hear you clearly, that we would be sensitive to your spirit. I ask that everybody would be blessed. I ask that everybody would know you. I ask that you would just reveal yourself to those who are lost, Lord. Everybody that is bound in chains, Lord, I ask that they would find you. That, Lord, you say in your word that you don't respond to an empty cry, Lord. So I pray right now for a full heart and a full cry a cry of surrender, Lord. And I just ask for your hand on everybody, your mercy and your presence, Lord, that the fullness of joy would be found in your presence and that we would have access to that through the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. I thank you and I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is, let me pray for you and then we're in the amen. conversation. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for how you're using him for the expansion of your kingdom. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to empower him for the next step you have for his life, for the calling and the mission and the destiny you have placed in him. Holy Spirit, empower him, encourage him in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. When his head is down, although we ask you that you be the lift of his head in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray for his wife and his children, that you continue to bless them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you, you will use them um, for your glory. You use them for your expansion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I, and I pray that you use this family to dismantle the kingdom of darkness and establish the kingdom of our God. We give the honor and glory thanksgiving, Jesus. We say, blessed, blessed be your beautiful name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, that, that was anointed, bro. I, definitely, I, I felt a, like a warm blanket come on when you start praying. That's good. God is good. <laughs> God is good. So thank y'all for tuning in to episode 49 of Saturday Conversations. Joshua, where can people find you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at Joshua underscore Kingdom Priest. Uh, and then my YouTube is Joshua Zatkoff, Z-A-T-K-O-F-F. And uh, uh, TikTok is the same uh, tag as uh, Instagram. So you can find me on those. Awesome. I'll put Joshua's information in the description box below. Once again, thank you, Joshua. I'm so glad I got to meet you. I'm so glad to call you a uh, brother in Christ. I'm just so glad that, you know, we're fighting this fight together. This fight of faith. We get to fight it 
together. So I know that God is doing a great work in your life. I know he's already done a great work. He's doing a great work and he's going to do a great work in your life. And I want to tell you right now that the best is yet to come for you and your family in Jesus mighty name. Amen. I receive it. Thank you, Edward, man. It was a blessing. It was an honor. Definitely. Hey, not Appreciate you having me. Hey, not a problem, Joshua. So everyone, join the conversation in the comment section below. Tell us what part of the conversation stood out to you. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. And if you listen on Spotify, follow, hit the notification bell, and give us five stars from this transformational um, conversation you just heard from us. New conversations come out every Saturday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you have any prayer requests, put in the comment section below. We love you. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.